0: Welcome, everyone, to issue 21 of the Paper Cuts comic podcast. I'm Dean DeFalco, and with me today... Dan Ryan. Fantastic. Evan's not with us today. He's apparently hoarding toys or something like that. He is a toy. He's becoming a toy. I I don't know. But he's not here at any case, so we'll be soldiering on without him, just Dan and me. I'm growing my own beard, so we're going to call ourselves the Beard Brothers from now on. It's going to be great. Actually, I think that's a show already, so we can't can't copyright that. But it's okay. It's all right. We're better than them.
1: We're, I'm I'm sure we can throw some sort of like bearded vest or vesty beardy. Vesty beardy. Thingy. I
0: like it. Vesty beardy. Vesty beardy. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I to to be honest, I I want to jump right into the comics. I got a lot of shit to talk about this uh this week. Um the the first thing well, I guess we should talk about is the the multiverse stuff which seems to be a big part of our comic agenda lately we talked about it a couple weeks ago just as a whole and there was a new comic that came out for the multiversity stuff called i think it was called the multiverse guidebook it was eight dollars yes. and i had i really had a hard time buying this because i was like do i really want to spend eight dollars on a comic book albeit it was 70 some odd pages and i mean it was mostly awesome information but i like i said it was it was tough to put aside eight dollars for one single comic when I could buy two go- uh, two comics for eight dollars, so uh, Dan, what did you what did you think about this book?
1: Well, it it may be the most Grant Morrison most Grant Morrisony thing that Grant Morrison has done in in quite some time. Like this is this is not a book that. Uh, that I am comfortable recommending if you don't like weird shit. <laughs> There's so much just weird and strange in this book and it I actually I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I thought the the world building that Morrison is doing in this issue, I mean, there is a lot of heavy lifting that he is doing in this book and establishing 52 different continuities. And making them all feel like real and believable is is an incredible amount of work. But God damn it, is it dense?
0: Oh, I mean, this yeah, is, yeah,
1: this was a heavy, heavy book.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the the main thing was is I, I think a lot of people are gonna pick up this book uh, for the explanation of all the universe that's on the inside. He basically says that everything you've ever read from DC, no matter if it was from the 30s, the 50s the 60s the 40s graphic novels doesn't matter all canon every single piece yep. of it all canon and it's all in there and he literally i mean just for for instance superman red sun has its own own earth uh what is it kingdom come has its own earth batman beyond own earth it it's literally sort of mind blowing when you take a step back and look at it and he also makes it a point to say that this entire um, uh, universe or the the multiverses and all these stories revolve around Earth Prime's writers writing this stuff which is sort of cool. Uh, it's, It's a very very informative book if you just take it for the guidebook part of it uh, besides that, Dan's right. The, the book is very intense as far as storytelling goes. There's a lot of stuff that you need to pay attention to to really get anything out of this. This isn't like the other ones that were just like, oh, self-contained stories, they're fun, they're cool, and they might all tie together sooner or later. Nope, this is the exact opposite. He's going back to old school Morrison where it's like, you pay attention to the fucking details, and if you don't, I'm leaving you here. Yeah, if you and don't. you're going to have to fucking figure it out yourself. I'm just
1: going to keep going like that sorry it's it's interesting too because marvel had done this for a long long time with the official handbook of the marvel universe and you could pick up those issues and get backstories on a bunch of different characters and their their powers and different teams and like planets and locations and just a bunch of different stuff so it's very much in that old school handbook of the marvel universe kind of idea but that being said this is not stuff that you are going to be familiar with if you are not paying attention to what's going on in the DC universe. Like as a whole, if you are just a Batman reader or just a Superman reader, or maybe you just buy Justice League or whatever, this is is not a book that's going to make a whole heck of a lot of sense. Now, that being said, when you're done reading the book, I think it does a really, really good job of of ingratiating you to these characters and kind of putting you into the world and giving you a solid footing for what's going on. You know, I don't think you're going to be terribly lost after you read it. But like you said, Dean, w- with an $8 commitment, that's not really an impulse purchase on on a new book.
0: I mean, maybe if Grant Morrison was waiting for me to finish the book and if I got it, he'd give me a high five at the end. Hell yeah, I'd paid $8 for that, but he's not. So I don't... I don't know if I really want to, you know, <laughs> recommend this to people for for that much money. You know, if if online you can find it for cheaper, uh, you know, like if it gets discounted on Comixology or something, I'd say yeah, definitely pick it up. Especially like if it was four dollars, it's it's a it's a larger book. It's seventy something pages, but it's seventy something pages of basically just explaining things. It is so, yeah, it is
1: basically an encyclopedia of of the and, new fifty two.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's not a bad thing because you really don't know much about the New Fifty Two or the universe surrounding the New Fifty Two because it hasn't been explained before, and I think this is probably a better way of doing it than just throwing you into a you know graphic novel like uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths or yeah. something where it's, it's where it's just explaining it as you go. They actually released a. Uh, Uh, an actual handbook for it i'm sure some people might not like this because i'm sure some people think dc's babying you but with a monumental um, event like this you should have a book or a handbook like this that tends to explain a bit more than normal because that you know makes it friendlier to more readers and i feel that's what you need with something like this so it, it's easier for people to get into it. They had a lot of great stories before this. It's okay if they have one just with more information than normal, I think.
1: Yeah, well, and it's, like, I don't think we should be surprised that Morrison is taking this this type of uh, tract with his storytelling at this point in his career. I mean, if, if you listen to, uh, he did an interview with a big fan of the show, Kevin Smith, on the Fat Man on Batman podcast, And he said, you know, one of the things when he was writing just the main Batman book a few years ago before the new 52 relaunch, Morrison said that he wanted in his Batman run to take everything that had ever happened with Batman, the campy Batman and the, you know, the, the first issue or two of Batman where he had purple gloves and had a gun and all of these things. And in his Batman story, everything was canon. So he's just kind of taken that idea and expanded it to the rest of the DC universe where everything that has ever happened, all the Elseworld stories that were really popular and really good, you know, things like Kingdom Come or like uh, Gotham by Gaslight is one of them. Uh, the Bat Lantern book where, you know, Batman is, you know, the, the Green Lantern. The Green Lantern. And yeah. like that universe was really cool. The Vampire Justice League is in there. Like everything you can imagine. It It's all in there and it it all kind of makes sense and it all kind of works and I think that was the thing I was most surprised about after finishing this book was I was like yeah just yeah that I'm in sure this makes sense. The one thing that I do want to see come out of this book though is I, it's like Earth 41 or something like that where Superman is a giant black dude with an afro and
0: Oh, the 70s, the 70's Superman?
1: Superman and Green Lantern is like some hippie dude and his, his shirt says turn out, turn on, tur- tune in, turn out, that sort of thing. And like just very it seems like it would be a politically charged but really funky and fun book in the Justice League is run by like an immortal teenage president. <laughs>
0: it's just it's just I so think it would goddamn be pretty funny. weird. Yeah, they they had a few odd universes in there, but I mean, there was so much cool shit going on just when they were explaining it all, and I like the fact that they turned those Elseworld books into actual universes and didn't just leave them by the sidelines. Yeah. You know, everything's in here, and that means anything's fair game in this book. I, I'd be super excited to see old-school Superman from the Kingdom Come universe, uh, come out of this or something that'd be cool to me anyway i'd like to see something like that of course it wouldn't have the uh the art that i'd be looking for but whatever no. it's cool no big well, deal. <laughs> and,
1: and what i thought was really interesting too like it, as far as the rest of the the issue is concerned is um you know because there's there's a comic book story around this sort of encyclopedia section of the different universes so in that comic book story it's taking place with the Lil gotham characters, which has been this right. book that DC's been putting out, and they're cute little chibi versions of Batman and, and the Justice League and whatnot. And... and Shit's not cute no, anymore. No, it certainly isn't. Like, there's little chibi Martian Manhunter's skull because he's been burned by fire, and like what, what I found really interesting about it, though, was that the dialogue that those characters have between each other and between the Batman from Earth-42 that shows up, like, this weird techno inspired Batman. He says, you know, like we we were just playing, like the little chibi Batman who's Dick Grayson in this one says we were just we were just playing, like nobody nobody kills each other here. This is just this is just fun. And when you read through the encyclopedia part, it says there is a dark secret in this little chibi universe, this little earth. And at the end of the book, you know, spoilers, as as if we haven't given enough away already, at the end of the book, Little chibi Batman looks down at his arm and he sees like an armature underneath, almost like like what you would build a a stop motion animation model on, like a clay model. And he's like, I I think I think I'm a robot. I don't know what I am. And then like the book just ends, and you're like, Well, what the f- what the fuck? It's it's cute little Batman. What the little baby Batman? Little baby Batman's going through this like horrible thing. What the fuck is going on? So like just. I don't know, man. I, I'm i in. Like, I'm really interested in this multiversity shit, and I did not think I was going to be. I really didn't. I'm, I've been very, very pleasantly surprised by all of this.
0: Well, you know what? I was turned off by Morrison's Batman Inc. stuff that he did recently where, you know, he brought back, uh, well, he killed off uh, Damien. Spoilers for anyone who didn't read the fucking book two years later.
1: A three-year-old book.
0: Yeah, but, And Damien's you know back the, the, anyway, so fuck it Yeah, well I, he's like super Wayne oh, or whatever I, know, I don't fucking know, it's it's weird That's a whole other yeah. thing no, Yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, you know, that, that was my thing I didn't want to commit to this book because I wasn't a fan of his other work But I, I gotta say, man, he, whatever he was doing He kind of just threw that out the window And he was like, you know what, I'm gonna try something new Maybe it'll work, maybe it won't work I don't give a fuck, I'm Grant Morrison, I can do what I want And I, you know what? I, I think he's got m- most readers on his side for this book. There's no split decision here. From what I've heard from other people, anyone that's been reading this book really, really enjoys it right now. And I don't blame them. It's a fantastic book. and i this is just another piece. Again, this is more Morrisony than other things. I can't believe I'm using him as an adjective, but <laughs> but it works it, though it, it like it works yeah. because he is he is Morrisony. Yeah, and i that's really the only way to say it in one word. You know, he, he writes very, very huge overarching things that can sometimes get confusing. And he's doing a good job of really keeping himself in check and not getting ahead, uh, which which is good. Because he wants to keep the readers engaged this time. And for a big book like this, he's got to pace himself. And he's doing good so far. Yeah,
1: i I really, I do recommend picking up these issues. This one, I feel, is one of the most important issues, but possibly the most challenging to get into, based both on on the $8 price point and just the depth of content that is in there. But, I mean, if you are enjoying any of the multiversity stuff at all, this should be a no-brainer. And if you're curious about whether or not you will like the multiversity stuff, I think this would be a good barometer as to whether or not it's something for you.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, again, you know, it's it's not like if you pick up the first book, the second book, you know, the, the, the fifth book, which we're on now, it doesn't make a difference which one you pick up because all of them are separate stories. They don't really tie in too much to each other. Sure, some of them give hints to the multiverse story going on than others, but in the grand scheme of things, they're all just kind of segmented stories right now that haven't necessarily tied together yet. So you're fine really either any way you really go with this so i mean if you wanted to start with the eight dollar book by all means you're not going to miss anything yeah
1: i get that and and still my recommendation from a month ago still stands get the Thunderworld book it's so
0: good oh this yeah Thunderworld book was fantastic so they even mentioned that universe in the uh, encyclopedia which was cool
1: what else you got dean
0: uh i, I got munchkins you want some of my munchkins I,
1: you know I you said you were gonna read it, so I figured, all right. I've I'd heard about this book. Uh, it's a card like a collectible card game. A Am, am yeah. I correct? Yeah. Okay
0: yeah that's it it's, it's it's a it's essentially a board game you can buy like the actual board and stuff for it i, I believe you can play it with just the cards if you want to be imaginative and stuff i have the the box set for it it's a fun game and i figured you know what i i like reading you know cartoony stuff again after reading grant morrison this is a good <laughs> palette cleanser <laughs> um, Yeah, I, they are in, very opposite books <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. And the the thing was, it it's not an overarching story. It's just, you know, four little stories. And they're sort of jokey and stuff. They're not bad by any way, shape, and form. They're more pointed towards kids, but they have some funny references in there and everything. And I enjoyed it. It's very D&D-esque, all the stories. I... I wasn't expecting much, so I think I got what I was expecting. But I mean, Dan, what did you think out of uh, about it?
1: It it was it was perfectly fine for for what it was. Um, the artwork was okay in some of the stories. It was really good in I think the last or the the second to last. is four stories in there, so I think the third story, the artwork, I liked the best. The other two, they were they seemed kind of kind of phoned in. Um, it's perfectly fine for people who are fans of this game but for me who knows nothing about it other than the fact that it is a collectible card game uh, which i didn't even know until i got to the end of the issue and kind of saw the cards and i was like oh i guess that's what this is and maybe that just shows that i'm an old man and out of touch but I, it like there was nothing for me in it you know i read it it was fine the it was it it's okay it is what it is I would not pick up another issue of it. There just was nothing to hook me in to this. Um, as as not a fan of the of the game
0: itself. To to be honest, even reading it, and I'm a slight fan of lunch because I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan by any stretch of the imagination, but. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't pick up another issue. There's there's no story here. It's just it's like reading a comic section of the newspaper. It's four segmented stories. They have nothing to do with each other. They're jokey, they're funny. You get about that out of it, a laugh or two. And that's really about it. I I didn't really find, you know, any need to pick up another one after that unless I wanted a, another small laugh. Yeah,
1: and like And I'm going to say this, and I mean absolutely no disrespect to the creators of this book whatsoever. I don't even know who they were. Like, I didn't even look to see who it was. It was how little this book impacted me. But it didn't feel any different. And I'm guessing here, again, I don't don't know what I'm talking about. I will admit that. But I'm guessing that I could go on Tumblr and find any number of fan-drawn webcomics that would give me the same experience that I got from this book
0: no I'm, I'm to be honest i'm sure you can and i mean it wasn't a huge publisher that did this this is boom studios kids section the kaboom mm-hmm. so i again i i don't expect huge things out of them they do the adventure time stuff they do regular show and everything but i again i don't really expect great things from them. I expect, oh yeah, it'd probably be funny. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll take a look at it. That, that's about it. I don't really bank anything on it, but... I, I got what I expected. I, I got a few laughs. It was it was okay. It was cutesy. For, for kids, you know, maybe who play the card game, it'd be fun. But it, it's certainly a kid's book. You know, there's, there's no story going on here. More than other kids' books. I mean, you look at something like Mega Man or Sonic Book, at least there's a story going on. Right. With this, there's no story. You know, there's no reason to go ahead and get another issue oh, a couple weeks from now.
1: From what I understand, the, the main hook of this issue and why it was selling so well was apparently there is some sort of uh, exclusive card that comes with the issue if you buy it at a brick-and-mortar store. So that has, like, driven sales up to, like, an insane number for this book. And, and I am sure the sales, if they do not include, <laughs> include another exclusive card, will, will drop off quite, quite heavily on the second issue.
0: If you know, the only thing that would really save this book is if they kind of buckle down and make this into a story of just like a jokey D and D type thing. Maybe that'll work for it. But if they're not going to do that, I don't think this book's going to stay around too long. Yeah,
1: and that's that's kind of the thing. Like when I was done reading the book, I was like, you know, if if we were taking like taking the piss out of D and D a little bit and doing it kind of tongue in cheek and having fun with this this idea of of what Role-playing games like tabletop role-playing games are, then I'm in because there is a lot of fun to be had with those stories. I mean, D and D is not something I play. I don't do any of the collectible card games or anything. Like I played Magic back in the day, but you know, and like it's just not something that I ever got hugely into. But I know plenty of people that are into it, and it's not something that you have to take super seriously. Like you could poke a little bit of fun at it, and I think there's actually a good story somewhere in there this book just is not that
0: agreed yeah so you so i i yeah you know the <laughs> i it's a pass from both of us you is don't it, need to pick it up is it
1: a popular thing i mean like i I read a couple articles that said this book is blowing up and it's got huge sales numbers but like is munchkin a popular popular thing i my kids are not I, into it so i don't as
0: know as it well to be honest, I mean, your kids are pretty young, Dan. This is more like, you know, a, a early teenage thing. Actually, okay. I see a lot of adults playing this. When I went to uh, PAX, there were so many people playing this game. There's a whole board game section. It's, essentially, that's what PAX was. It, was. it was half board games, half video games, but PAX has sort of evolved in almost fuck ton of video games. Same amount of board games that there always was, but Munchkins is a pretty big presence there. They always have a rather large like table showing off like new cards and stuff and everything. And it's interesting to see and seen playing, uh, played. But I, it's not something that I could really get into. Uh, unfortunately, it's hard to get that many people in the same room to really sit down and play the game. And that that's my issue is that I want to play it, but there's not enough people to ever really want to sit down for a few hours and play the game maybe if i offer them drugs and alcohol i'll try that next time
1: <laughs> oh wow well. well yeah i mean you could i i don't necessarily think you should but you know
0: i oh dan you party I, pooper. yeah i know
1: i don't know the only the only card game that i play anymore is cards against humanity which uh
0: oh that's a fun uh, game it's though. a great
1: game i don't think there's much of a comic book in that one though either
0: no no you know what but i wouldn't be surprised if they made a comic book sold for fifty dollars and it's just a bunch of scribbles in it
1: (laughs) fair enough all right so multiversity yay munchkin boo
0: correct so dan what do you got
1: all right well i've got the the relaunch already which annoys the shit out of me but that's that's more of a personal thing of uncanny avengers number one now two or three years ago now at this point, we got Uncanny Avengers number one, and then Axis happened, and while Axis has been relatively widely panned by the larger comic book uh, media outlets, um, I really liked it. But what I didn't like about it was how it kind of screwed up Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny Avengers is, has been written by Rick Remender this whole time, and when the Axis event came in, it kind of uh, just steamrolled anything that was going on in the Uncanny Avengers book. Totally took it over, which, you know, you've got an Avengers team that is made up of X-Men and Avengers being crossover. Of course, it's going to do that. This book sees a relaunch into a much smaller and more focused team that seems to have a pretty solid mission from the get-go. See, at at the end of Axis, the big spoiler that came out of that was Magneto is not the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver's father. They tried to kill him with like some sort of gene thing that would like, you know, oh, this is going to match all, all of the genes of everyone. And like, it's just, oh, you're not our dad. Shit. What do we do now? Like, that was the big thing that came out of out of Axis, which really seems to just be. Marvel's way of shoehorning the the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch characters into being Inhumans so that they can include them in the upcoming Age of Ultron movie and then a possible Inhuman movie right like all this stuff that's going on because they don't have the X-Men property to make movies out of. So this book Uncanny Avengers number 1 is basically the story of Wanda and and Quicksilver of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver Going to try and find out who their dad is and from what uh, Tom Brevort, who's one of the editors over at Marvel like what he said in an interview was that we're not we're not burying the lead on this one this isn't going to be 13 issues before you find out first couple of issues we're going to let you know who their dad is and and where they come from so that's that's good to know
0: the I'll believe it when uh, I see well, it.
1: yeah I mean that that's always the thing I, I guess but the book itself um, just taken as, as a single issue, I really enjoyed the hell out of it because it was very focused on what was going on. It didn't tie into any of this other stuff that's going on in the Marvel Universe right now, which we've talked about quite a bit with the time runs out and all the things that Mr. Hickman is doing to get to the Secret Wars event that's going to happen this summer and all that. The, the team that's on this book is still Rick Remender. Doing the writing and Remender is is great. I mean, what more needs to be said about uh, about a Rick Remender book? If you see his name on it, you buy it because it's going to be quality. The dialogue is going to be great. the The settings that he's going to come up with are going to be great. It's going to be influenced by some sci fi shit going on. And if you know, it's just he is a quality quality writer. You know, you're going to get a good story out of him. The artist on this book is uh, Daniel Acuna, and his artwork in this book is so good it's it had a very a very 70s vibe to me like like reading through this book it felt very much like like a uh, a 70s influenced like barbarella kind of sci-fi world that was going on and it takes place on on counter earth which is the world that has been created by the high evolutionary high evolutionary is a villain that's been around in the marvel universe for a long, long time, has been a major villain for the Avengers, has been a major villain for the X-Men. And on this counter-earth thing that he created, there's like crazy humanoid animals that are are just really cool and really interesting to look at. And the book, like the first couple of panels of the book, starts off with this group of animals. It's a bear, uh, a cheetah, and an elephant sitting around and talking about how they would how they would basically kill Quicksilver if he was around. And then Quicksilver pops up. He was like, oh yeah, I would totally do all types of nasty stuff to him. You know, if he was here. Oh, hi guys, here I am. Right, just kind of being an asshole. Which is the best kind of Quicksilver that you can possibly get. Just a, a raging dick to everyone else. Because everyone is so slow compared to him. And it's, it's frustrating. It then goes on to introduce the rest of the team. Who is... Vision, with a really badass new costume design. Rogue, which takes her her costume that's been around for a little while with the the kind of all-green jumpsuit hoodie kind of thing and tweaks it a little bit, but makes it a little bit cooler. Uh, Captain America, the Sam Wilson Captain America because Steve Rogers is still depowered. The newly inverted and good guy, Sabretooth, Who is no longer a murderous scumbag, uh, but is a nice guy trying to atone for what he did. And then the the final member of the team is Dr. Voodoo, who is such a badass character and was was looking for a couple years, uh, like a couple years ago, like he was going to be a really up and coming character and they were going to do a lot of really cool things with him. They made him the sorcerer supreme of the Marvel Universe and then he died. And it was like, well, what the, but I was, I was reading that. Why the fuck did you kill him? Like it was, it served no purpose really to the story that it was in, but because comic books, he's back and he's awesome. I mean, he's just a really cool character. He fills that kind of mystic uh, teleporter role on the team. The personalities all fit together really nicely. And the story itself is something that I'm intrigued, right? Like we've been told our, our whole comic book reading lives that, the Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are, are the children of Magneto, and they're opposing their their father, and that's why they join the Avengers. And they're reformed villains from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And then all of a sudden, we find out that's not your dad. So, you know, like a good Mori Povich episode. Now we have to find out who the father
0: is. Oh my God! Can we can we get them all on Maury? <laughs> is that a thing? Can we do that? I think so. I hope so. Awesome! That'd be great. I mean. The whole audience would probably be murdered by the end of the episode, well, but it would sure, be awesome. Sure, you know.
1: But, I mean, just overall, I mean, a really solid book, and really strange to see to see this team. I mean, that is that is a very strange team to have in an Uncanny Avengers book. Like, you would think that it would be the heaviest of the heavy hitters, but Dr. Voodoo is not a heavy hitter, you know? Uh, even, even Sabretooth, like... Sabretooth is on an Avengers team now it's it's an interesting book. it's an interesting concept. The artwork's great, the writing's great. like I definitely pick it up you know this this is a book the the only caveat that I would put to that is that it is possible that the secret wars event is going to fuck this book up as well, and that would be kind of upsetting i mean i'm 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 hoping it won't, but
0: it would be upsetting i mean i I got a chance to take a look at this for fifteen twenty minutes before and I thought it was a really cool book. I like the characters they use because they're not all A listers. You know, I, I dare I say Sabretooth isn't exactly an A list villain. I mean he's a he's a Wolverine counterpart, right. which is good, but in the grand scheme of things and against the stuff that most of these characters go against, eh, really not the best. But you know it's it's cool that they're doing something like this. I also like the premise that you know you Magneto uh, isn't the father of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which is a big plot twist. Which you're right, has been that way our entire lives. As far as I've been reading comic books, and I'm sure for most of your comic book reading life, that's that's just the way it's been. Mm-hmm. They even hinted at it in the movies, which now isn't true. And it well, I, I guess it wasn't verbatim that they said, "Hey, Scarlet, uh, Quicksilver, that's." That that's your pops over there. No, it wasn't that's, like that. But that's I I your mean dad, dude. <laughs> oh God! But it, it it was interesting to say the least. I I thought it was a really cool book. You're right. The art was really cool. It was. I don't know what it is about like that type of art, but it has like very like sharp lines. Is that like maybe that's it? I I don't know. It's just a. Uh, very defined uh, characteristics. Yeah, uh, to Ac- a lot of the uh, the art elements.
1: Acuna's artwork is is very very line heavy. There's there's a lot of thick lines going on in the book, and it looks it just looks great. I mean, he is such a talented talented artist, and it, like everything everything just flows really nicely. His storytelling from panel to panel is really good. There's a lot that is going on in each panel. Like he he very rarely puts in a sparse panel. Like the only time he does is when the story calls for it. Whereas you know a lot of other artists are really good with their figure work, but don't do backgrounds for shit. You know, a a, a Cunha is not that way.
0: Right, right, yeah. No, nah, it, it was a really cool looking book. Not sure uh, the, why I'm I to be honest
1: over his name, but
0: it's okay. I, I, I stutter over that name sometimes, too. You were you're trying to add the... Uh, what do they call that thing in uh, in Spanish class with the little thing over the end? Uh, the the
1: accent. The N Yeah, you were
0: just trying... The yeah, You were trying to add that in. Yeah. That, that takes some time. But regardless, I, I, I think that, yeah, the book is definitely worth picking up cautiously because Dan's right, they might destroy the book. Marvel doesn't have the best track record for keeping things around very long. You know, I... To be honest, it's it's they have this world that it's like putty in their hand, and every few months they just keep remolding it. And they're like, "Yeah, this might work." <laughs> let's no wait. Uh, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's move let's it around a little else. bit. All right, yeah, let's try this. And that's not a bad thing because you get a lot of new creative ideas that way and some really cool stories. But it's nice to have an established universe too. Yeah, so. it is
1: like, and that's that's like my main my main gripe against what's been going on with Marvel and and even with this book in particular is that I think the, the roster for this Avengers team is very cool and would be really interesting to keep together, but they're not going to stay, like this isn't going to stay the roster of this team. Like there there is absolutely zero way as as good as some people think the Sam Wilson Captain America stories are as bad as some people think they are it doesn't matter it doesn't matter when the avengers age of ultron movie comes out you bet your ass that captain america will be back to being steve rogers
0: i, I mean would be i shocked i guess
1: if he wasn't you know and that that, that also that's annoying cuz this is a team that i would like to get invested in and would like to read about together the personalities work but i know it's not going to stay that way so that's i like the fact that when i pick up the justice league book from dc It's Batman, Superman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash. You know, I know who I'm getting.
0: Right. I I mean, I I think this goes more towards Marvel entertainment having Mm -hmm. precedence over Marvel comics. You know, those movies are pretty important centerpieces to a huge marketing campaign. And, you know, it, it... Unfortunately, it does suck that, you know, they're going to replace characters when the new movies come out just to get more comic book readers in the door. But that's the way it is, you know, for standard comic book readers like me and you who are going to pick them up every week regardless. Right. They, it's not necessarily about us. It's about the people that are breaking down the door to see the new Age of Ultron movie, which well, I mean, that's going to be us, too. But there's going right. to be much more casual readers that are be breaking down the door than us. So you know, I I, I get it, I, you know I don't I I don't like it. I don't have to like it though, because Marvel's the one getting the paycheck, not me. <laughs> right,
1: but I mean, all that being said, I really dug it. You know, good book. I would I would suggest picking it up.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, it was it was a really cool book. Uh, so yeah, what was what was the other book you read, Dan? Well,
1: speaking of Mr. Jonathan Hickman, he has a new image book out this week called The Dying and the Dead, and this is a big oversized issue um 60 pages i think and 450 i think was the price of this book so not bad you know 50 cents extra for you know a double sized issue than than what you normally pay um not a bad price to to pay for lots and lots of hickman if that's your thing and for me it is i love jonathan hickman's work this book um i have after the 60 pages of reading it I have no idea where the hell this book is going, and I kind of dig that about it. It it starts off... Okay, so <laughs> it starts off at a wedding, and there's uh, it, what appears to be a relatively older gentleman, perhaps late 50s, early 60s, getting married to a woman who seems, to me, uh, she seemed much younger, and at the wedding... Uh, You know, it's everybody's super happy and there's all this this kind of backstory dialogue going on about how when when you realize the time is running out, you hold on to the things that you love that much harder and you try to steal more time. And it really set it up to be that this was the the male characters kind of internal monologue as this was going through, as most of these stories typically do. You know, if you've watched older mafia movies where there's a murder and a massacre basically at a wedding, uh, a lot of times what happens is that they're coming for the guy and everything else is just cannon fodder. All the wedding guests get killed. The uh, the wife gets killed. And spoilers, not so in this book. This guy has this ring on and it unlocks a room that is that is behind like a mirror and there's Like It it appears to be like a secret Nazi artifact that is back in this room. It's just in a box. We don't find out throughout the first 60 issues of this book what is in this box. But the wife is a double agent. So this team of like stormtroopers comes in and they fucking murder everybody at the wedding and they shoot the guy in the head. And, you know, like the the leader of these stormtroopers comes in and she starts talking to the wife. And she's like, you know, where's the ring? Whatever. And she says, you did a good job, sister. You are like, oh, shit. They're in on it together. And then she kills her sister. And it's like, all right. Well, what? yeah, it was like, you know, your sacrifice will not have been in vain. And she just shoots her sister in the fucking head. Okay, awesome. So they get this box out of this room. They go back. They take it to their, you know, their secret base or, or whatever. And apparently... There's a lot of this sister because there's just a room of clones of this one particular girl, right? And it's just like, all right, I don't know what the hell any of that means. Maybe they're gonna explain. Nope, nope, not gonna explain it. So because it, it jumps on the next page to the story of an old soldier, and his wife is dying of cancer, and he is visited by this very creepy, uh, all white guy right with that's kind of done in in shadows and silhouettes but but mostly white um like skin hat clothes gloves the whole deal and he's saying to this old soldier that um there's nothing that can be done your wife is going to die unless you come with me so then we cut to a scene of him driving in a limo going to this place in amarillo texas Which, um, if you know anything about Amarillo, Texas, there's really not shit there. So, they're kind of driving through the desert, and they come to a church, and the soldier walks into the church, and they lead him down to this city, like, down what looks like thousands of stairs, and they lead him down to the city, and there's, like, they they look very inspired by by Tolkien-esque elves and... Like Middle Earth kind of characters, again all in white, and they like they start talking to the soldier about how the soldier needs to go get the box back from these people, and if he does that, then they'll save his wife from cancer, and like it, it oh god, like it was so weird and strange, and. I loved everything about it mostly because I have no idea where the hell this story is going to go. There is so much going on in this and uh, like I, it's just it's very Jonathan Hickman. It's it's very much a Jonathan Hickman book. He is so good at throwing a reader into a world that he has created and having the world feel like a fully developed, fully fleshed out thing where things have happened and that you're going to get comfortable with, eventually. Even in the weirdest of his books, like the Manhattan Projects or East of West or whatever, there's still a very coherent world there that you've just got to figure out your place in. And
0: yeah, I, I, I mean not not to cut you <laughs> no, 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 off, was... but I <laughs> you know stuff like the Manhattan Projects, and East of West, they. They come on very, very strong, and, you know, sometimes they're, they're incredibly confusing because you go into this and you don't know shit. But the thing is, he, he leaves you enough breadcrumbs to make it interesting enough to get that next book. And, I mean, if he does that in this one, and, I mean, he had 60 pages to explain what the hell is going on or leave you enough breadcrumbs to want enough going forward, he normally does really easy great job of doing that and i you know if this is anything like any of his other books and i i would say it's an easy sell well yeah and like and
1: that's that's really the thing about hickman is that his books unlike unlike really any other writer maybe other than morrison working today his books really reward rereading like if you go back and read through his books two or three times you're gonna get more and more of the story. Whereas with a lot of comic books, you know, it's 10 minutes and then you're done with it and there's really nothing to go back to, but really not so with Hickman. It's just, there's so many layers and there's so much going on with the worlds that he creates that I'm really just like East of West, just like Manhattan Projects. I never know where the hell he's going to go with it, but I know it's going to be good on that journey. The uh the artist on this one is Ryan Bodenheim who did Red Mat Red Mask for Mars which is another uh, Hickman book Secret which is also another Hickman book and um it's excellent it's really really great work like he he draws this very weird underground city like this very like I said Tolkien esque kind of elvish looking city uh just as well as he draws the wedding sequence with with the hyper just as well as he draws this this old soldier right and the the soldier i i believe is what we're we're going with like a world war ii kind of soldier the greatest generation it's obviously not taking place you know uh concurrently with the real world or anything like that this is very much an a an alternate take on reality but the artwork is just really really sharp and and really well done there's a a a sort of like acuna with a lot of, you know, heavy line work and a lot of depth and separation between the characters. But but just really nice to look at. The coloring was really nice in the book. It was just overall, I mean, for, for 450, there is a lot of story going on in here. And and you really can't go wrong with it. I mean, in, unless you really hate Jonathan Hickman, because this isn't going to do anything to change your mind. This isn't going to be the one where you're like, oh, okay, I get it.
0: Right, right. I To be honest, for four fifty, I I'd buy the book in the second. I bought a fucking $8 <laughs> book that was 70 pages. I, I'd pay half that for a fucking 60-page book. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. And, I mean, Image is a bit fair like that. They do tend to give you a bit more for your money. And, to be honest, content-wise, Image is second to none. They always deliver really great books. And most of the time, when I pick up an Image book, I know I'm going to read a great story.
1: Yeah, and, and this one, you know... Like I said, if Hickman's your thing, then you probably already bought this book. If you've been hearing about Hickman and are curious to try out a book, I this one is no more no more difficult than any of his other books to get into, which is to say that it is difficult to get into, but is definitely worth the effort.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you want something that's already established just to kind of wet your feet, try East to West. I, I th- that book is fucking awesome, it and is, I so think good. it's yeah. And to be honest, like I Manhattan Projects, little fucking out there, <laughs> but East to West has enough going on in it where you can sort of tie it all together where it is right now, or, or to an extent, and it makes a bit more sense than Manhattan Projects, which is just totally batshit nuts, and you might need some sort of drug to really understand what's going on, which isn't a bad thing, but it's It's next level crazy in that book, yeah
1: it it really was, so I would definitely recommend you know picking that up, but i have I have one more little thing to uh to throw out here uh that caught me by surprise because i I have never been a fan of Fantastic Four. they're not
0: oh thing. man, I've, all right, go I've on just
1: yeah, I've just never liked them except for Matt Fraction's run on the book. So I started reading the Fraction run on the book, and I was like, all right, I get it, right? Like, I finally get it. I like these characters. You know, I, I, I see why this this book, you know, has been around for so long. So I've continued to read it. Now through the, through the relaunch after Fraction left, we got new Fantastic Four stories being written by James Robinson, who came over from D.C., and has been been doing Marvel's uh, Fantastic Four book, and is now going to be the writer on the end of the Fantastic Four book. It's uh, it's really one of the just the absolute worst titles you could possibly have. Is the end is forever? Uh, you know, F O U R ever? Cause, cause, get it
0: together forever. Yeah, they're
1: they're the Fantastic Four,
0: right? Get it. <laughs> To- totally okay. no not actually i don't get it at all i don't know what you're talking <laughs> so i have
1: no idea why isn't it the end is 5 ever um so reading this book like it it's not a book that i that i rip through you know as soon as i get it but reading this book uh really the only thing that i need to mention uh, about this is that the very last page spoilers if you didn't read fantastic 4 643 uh they have recruited to help them out uh, shield has recruited to help them out and deal with Franklin Richards and the Franklin verse uh, sleepwalker. And it's fucking awesome.
0: Sleepwalker. Yeah, okay, I, I, I got you. I know. Dude. Sleepwalker. That's all you have to it's say. In sleepwalker.
1: A book. It's fucking sleepwalker. Like, I'm so goddamn excited that sleepwalker is going to be in this book for like an issue or two. Uh, come on now. Uh, it. Go buy it. Go buy Fantastic Four six forty three and then six forty four, so that maybe Marvel will one day give me another goddamn Sleepwalker book. That's all I want out of life. It's beautiful.
0: You you know what? I I I think that's cool, man. <laughs> you, all you all you had to say was Fantastic Four and then dot 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 Sleepwalker, and I would have been like, okay, all right, I get <laughs> it. Right, I'm in. It's cool. Yeah. Sleepwalkers. This shit. I'm I'm happy you got a sleepwalker book. Uh but I believe we are hitting the end of our episode, our issue rather. We're at the we're at the last few yes, pages we, we now. We've
1: turned the final page, the big splash yes. page uh, at the end.
0: So, uh since Evan's not here, would you like to do the honors of uh doing our
1: our weekly plug for for Garden State Comic Fest?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Yes, Garden State Comic Fest in July at the Menin Arena in New Jersey huge room so much bigger than last year like what are we what are we thinking double or triple the amount of vendors and guests and artists and just people that are going to be there it was a great time last year for the first year of a con it was really solid lots of really cool you know vendors and really cool stuff that was there this year it's going to be bigger it's going to be better it's it's just awesome it's really nice to find a comic book show that is about comic books and not about Movies or video games or any of this other stuff that's going on like this is this is not a, a geek Comic-Con. This is just comics come out. It'll be in July. Tickets were super reasonable. They will be again this year. It was like what? Twenty bucks for three days, I think, is what we're doing.
0: It's two days, I believe. Two
1: days. Right. Super affordable. Come out, support local vendors. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Delaware at uh, hell, come down from Vermont.
0: California, California, China, yeah, Japan, whatever, Wherever. just fly over, it's you worth know, it. uh, I mean, we're going to be there. And if you're listening to us, you know, you'll see us on the floor. High five us. We'll, we'll sign your comics, even though we have nothing to do with them, but <laughs> yeah, sure. We'll sign I them. Will. Maybe they're worth something. I will day, totally I bring me
1: sleepwalker comics. I will
0: sign the shit out of those. He will sign every single sleepwalker <laughs> comic. If you name your kid sleepwalker, he'll sign your kid. Doesn't matter. I
1: will. I will. I will draw all over your kid.
0: <laughs> well, we will sign babies' faces. We we will draw stuff all over them, and they're probably not going to be G-rated. So, do not give us your kids to draw. No, them. do not, do not. <laughs> it would be a bad idea. But anyway, yeah, Garden State Comic Fest gonna be big this year. We're gonna be there. Plenty of artists gonna be there. Tons of vendors. It's gonna be really great. Uh, I I can't wait for it. And that and, is and
1: Evan's been working really hard. He
0: has. He has. I, that is actually else, part of the reason.
1: Just come out so that Evan feels like his life has meaning.
0: Give him a <laughs> hug. Give him a high five. I we, we give him hugs and high fives every day just to, just to get him through. And, I mean, yeah, it's going to be awesome. The people, the staff that do this show work really, really hard all year round to get this prepared. And that's partially the reason why we have this bigger venue this year is because they worked hard towards it. So, you know, show up. Uh, show your support. Uh, it's gonna be a fun time, and like I said, we're gonna be there, and you know, if, if at the very, very least, we'll supply you a ton of fun that day, we promise. Damn right. Sweet, so I believe we've reached the end of the episode now, we're on the last sentence of the last page. Uh, so, yes, if you guys like what we're talking about, you wanna check, uh, check out some of the comics, that we were talking about before. They'll be in the show notes along with any of the social links, uh link to our website and all that. Hey uh hey Dean.
1: Yeah. What what is the link to that website? Cuz I I, oh. I tried to go to Geek Life, you know that one with the threes and yeah. it, it brought me somewhere else. What's that all about?
0: Funny you mentioned that. We just had a rebranding go about. And we are now no longer Geek Life. We are Geek. G-E-E-K A-D-E dot com. That's right, Geekade.com. is the new place to find all of our stuff. We have revamped everything. We have new writers tons of video content coming out now we have some new podcasts that are about to launch really soon we're super excited about it uh the site looks really nice now we've done a lot of work and we're really looking forward to a lot of the new content that we have in the future so yeah you don't have to type in geek life anymore you can type in geekade however if you make that mistake you're going to be pointed towards our website anyway with the new address so no problem there i believe it's going to be like that for the next i think nine months or something so if you do happen to type that in for a while it's not a big deal it'll redirect it to our page
1: right on i love it it looks great
0: thank you thank you we spent a lot of uh, a lot of time on it and like i said we got a lot of cool stuff coming down the line dan i believe you have some uh new stuff coming out really soon
1: the the very first article posted to geekade.com why i love wrestling finn baylor Come
0: on now! Awesome. See, I'm, I'm, I already, I see, I cheated. I read this stuff beforehand, but it's <laughs> awesome, and uh, you guys should definitely check it out. Especially if you're fans of wrestling, just like me and Dan, it's, it's great. It's good stuff, and I couldn't recommend it more. Check out the site. Check out all the new tabs. See how everything works. We got a lot of new content coming your way, and I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. Uh, so with that. From all of us at Geekade and Papercuts, what you gonna do when the 24-page comics come for you? Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs)
1: Later.